Chapter Eleven of the Prairie by James Fenimore Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Peck. So foul a sky clears not without a storm. King John. In the meantime, the industrious and irreclaimable hours continue their labors. The sun, which had been struggling through such masses of vapor throughout the day, fell slowly in a streak of clear sky, and thence sunk gloriously into the gloomy waste, as he is wont to settle into the waters of the ocean. The vast herds which had been grazing among the wild pastures of the prairies gradually disappeared, and the endless flocks of aquatic birds that were pursuing their customary annual journey from the virgin lakes of the north towards the Gulf of Mexico ceased to fan that air, which had now become loaded with dew and vapor. In short, the shadows of night fell upon the rock, adding the mantle of darkness to the other dreary accompaniments of the place. As the light began to fail, Esther collected her younger children at her side, and placing herself on a projecting point of her insulated fortress, she sat patiently awaiting the return of the hunters. Ellen Wade was at no great distance, seeming to keep a little aloof from the anxious circle, as if willing to mark the distinction which existed in their characters. "'Your uncle is, and always will be, a dull calculator now,' observed the mother, after a long pause in a conversation that had turned on the labors of the day. A lazy hand of figures and foreknowledge is that said Ishmael Bush. Here he sat lolloping about the rock from light till noon, doing nothing but scheme, 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 with seven as noble boys at his elbows as woman ever gave to man, and what's the upshot? Why night is setting in, and his needful work not yet ended. Is it not prudent, certainly, aunt? Ellen replied, with a vacancy in her air that proved how little she knew what she was saying. "'And is it setting a very bad example to his sons?' "'Hoity-toity, girl! "'Who has reared you up as a judge over your elders? "'I, and your betters, too. "'I should like to see the man on the whole frontier "'who sets a more honest example to his children "'than this same Ishmael Bush. "'Show me, if you can, Miss Faultfinder, "'but not Faultmender, "'a set of boys who will, on occasion, "'sooner chop a piece of logging and dress it for the crop "'than my own children, though I say it myself, who perhaps should be silent, or a cradler that knows better how to lead a gang of hands through the field of wheat, leaving a cleaner stubble in his track than my own good man. Then, as a father, he is as generous as a lord, for his sons have only to name the spot where they would like to pitch, and he gives them a deed of the plantation, and no charge for papers is ever made. As the wife of the squatter concluded, she raised a hollow, taunting laugh and was echoed from the mouths of several juvenile imitators, whom she was training to a life as shiftless and lawless as her own, but which, notwithstanding its uncertainty, was not without its secret charms. "'Hola, old Esther!' shouted the well-known voice of her husband from the plain beneath. "'Are you keeping your junkets while we are finding you in venison and buffalo beef? Come down, come down, old girl, with all your young and lend us a hand to carry up the meat. Why, what frolic you are in, woman? Come down, come down, for the boys are at hand, and we have work here for double your number. Ishmael might have spared his lungs more than a moiety of the effort they were compelled to make in order that he should be heard. He had hardly uttered the name of his wife before the whole of the crouching circle rose in a body, and tumbling over each other, they precipitated themselves down the dangerous passes of the rock with ungovernable impatience. 
Esther followed the young fry with a more measured gait, nor did Ellen deem it wise or rather discreet to remain behind. Consequently, the whole were soon assembled at the base of the citadel on the open plain. Here the squatter was found, staggering under the weight of a fine, fat buck, attended by one or two of his younger sons. Abram quickly appeared, and before many minutes had elapsed, most of the hunters dropped in, singly and in pairs, each man bringing with him some fruits of his prowess in the field. "'The plain is free from redskins to-night, at least,' said Ishmael, after the bustle of reception had little subsided, "'for I have scoured the prairie for many long miles on my own feet, and I call myself a judge of the print of an Indian moccasin. So, old woman, you can give us a few steaks of the venison, and then we will sleep on the day's work.' "'I'll not swear that there are no savages near us,' said Abram. "'I, too, know something of the trail of a redskin, and unless my eyes have lost some of their sight—' I would swear, boldly, that there are Indians at hand. But wait till Asa comes in. He passes the spot where I found the marks, and the boy knows something of such matters, too. Ay, the boy knows too much of many things, returned Ishmael gloomily. It would be better for him when he thinks he knows less. But what matters it, Hetty, if all the Sioux tribes west of the big river are within a mile of us? They will find it no easy matter to scale this rock in the teeth of ten bold men. "'Calm twelve at once, Ishmael, calm twelve, cried his termagant assistant, "'for if your moth-gathering, bug-hunting friend can be counted a man, "'I beg you will set me down as two. "'I will not turn my back to him with the rifle or the shotgun, "'and for courage the yearling heifer that them skulking devils the Teton stole "'was the biggest coward amongst us all, and after her came the driveling doctor. "'Ah, Ishmael, you rarely attempt a regular trade, but you come out the loser.' and this man i reckon is the hardest bargain among them all would you think it the fellow ordered me a blister around my mouth because i complained of a pain in the foot it is a pity esther the husband coolly answered that you did not take it i reckon it would have done considerable good but boys if it should turn out as abram thinks that there are indians near us we may have to scamper up the rock and lose our suppers after all Therefore, we will make sure of the game, and talk over the performances of the doctor when we have nothing better to do. The hint was taken, and in a few minutes the exposed situation in which the family was collected was exchanged for the more secure elevation of the rock. Here, Esther busied herself, working and scolding with equal industry, until the repast was prepared. When she summoned her husband to his meal in a voice as sonorous as that with which the emin reminds the faithful of a more important duty. When each had assumed his proper and customary place around the smoking viands, the squatters set the example by beginning to partake of a delicious venison steak, prepared like the hump of the bison, with a skill that rather increased than concealed its natural properties. A painter would gladly have seized the moment to transfer the wild and characteristic scene to the canvas. The reader will remember that the citadel of Ishmael stood insulated, lofty, ragged, and nearly inaccessible. A bright flashing fire that was burning on the center of its summit, and around which the busy group was clustered, lent it the appearance of some tall pharaohs placed in the center of the deserts, to light such adventures as wandered through their broad waste. The flashing flame gleamed from one sunburnt countenance to another, exhibiting every variety of expression from the juvenile simplicity of the children, mingled as it was with a shade of the wildness peculiar to their semi-barbarous lives, to the dull and immovable apathy that dwelt on the features of the squatter when unexcited. 
Occasionally a gust of wind would fan the embers, and as a brighter light shot upwards, the little solitary tent was seen as it were suspended in the gloom of the upper air. All beyond was enveloped, as usual at that hour, in an impenetrable body of darkness. "'It is unaccountable that Asa should choose to be out of the way at such a time as this,' Esther pettishly observed. "'When all is finished and two rights, we shall have the boy coming up, grumbling for his meal, and hungry as a bear after his winter's nap. His stomach is as true as the best clock in Kentucky, and seldom wants winding up to tell the time, whether of day or night. A desperate eater is Asa, when a-hungered by a little work.' Ishmael looked sternly around the circle of his silent sons, as if to see whether there was any among them which presumed to say aught in favor of the absent delinquent. But now, when no exciting causes existed to arouse their slumbering tempers, it seemed to be too great an effort to enter on the defense of their rebellious brother. Abram, however, who, since the pacification, either felt or affected to feel a more generous interest in his late adversary, saw fit to express an anxiety to which the others were strangers. "'It will be well if the boy has escaped the Tetons,' he muttered. "'I should be sorry to have Asa, who is one of the stoutest of our party, both in heart and hand, fall into the power of the Red Devils.' "'Look to yourself, Abram, and spare your breath, if you can use it only to frighten the woman and her huddling girls. You have whitened the face of Ellen Wade already. Who looks as pale as if she was staring to-day at the very Indians you name, when I was forced to speak to her through the rifle, because I couldn't reach her ears with my tongue? How was it, Nell? You have never given the reason of your deafness.' The color of Ellen's cheek changed as suddenly as a squatter's piece had flashed on the occasion to which he alluded the burning glow suffusing her features, until it even mantled her throat with its fine, healthful tinge. She hung her head abashed, but did not seem to think it necessary to reply. Ishmael, too sluggish to pursue the subject, or content with the appointed allusion he had just made, rose from his seat on the rock, and stretching his heavy frame, like a well-fed and fattened ox, he announced his intention to sleep. Among a race who lived chiefly for the indulgence of the natural wants, such a declaration could not fail of meeting with sympathetic dispositions. One after another disappeared, each seeking his or her rude dormitory, and before many minutes, Esther, who by this time had scolded the younger fry to sleep, found herself, if we accept the usual watchman below, in solitary possession of the naked rock. Whatever less valuable fruits had been produced in this uneducated woman by her migratory habits, the great principle of female nature was too deeply rooted ever to be entirely eradicated. Of a powerful, not to say fierce, temperament, her passions were violent and difficult to be smothered. But, however, she might and did abuse the accidental prerogatives of her situation. Love for her offspring, while it often slumbered, could never be said to become extinct. She liked not the protracted absence of Asa, too fearless herself to have hesitated an instant on her own account about crossing the dark abyss into which she now sat looking with longing eyes, her busy imagination, in obedience to this inextinguishable sentiment, began to conjure nameless evils on account of her son. It might be true, as Abram had hinted, that he had become a captive to some of the tribes who were hunting the buffalo in that vicinity or even a still more dreadful calamity might have befallen. So thought the mother, while silence and darkness lent their aid to the secret impulses of nature. 
Agitated by these reflections, which put sleep at defiance, Esther continued at her post, listening with that sort of acuteness which is termed instinct in the animals a few degrees below her in the scale of intelligence, for any of those noises which might indicate the approach of footsteps. At length her wishes had an appearance of being realized, for the long-desired sounds were distinctly audible, and presently she distinguished the dim form of a man at the base of the rock. "'Now, Esther, richly do you deserve to be left with an earthen bed this blessed night?' The woman began to mutter, with a revolution in her feelings, that will not be surprising to those who have made the contradictions that give variety to the human character a study. "'And a hard one, I've a mind it shall be. Why, Abner, Abner, you, Abner, do you sleep? Let me not see you dare to open the hole till I get down. I will know who it is that wishes to disturb a peaceable, I, and an honest family, too, at such a time in the night as this.' Woman, exclaimed a voice that intended to bluster while the speaker was manifestly a little apprehensive of the consequences. Woman, I forbid you on pain of the law to project any of your infernal missiles. I am a citizen and a freeholder and a graduate of two universities, and I stand upon my rights. Beware of malice propense, of chance medley, and of manslaughter. It is I, your amicus, a friend, an inmate, I, Dr. Obed Badius. Who? demanded Esther, in a voice that nearly refused to convey her words to the ears of the anxious listener beneath. Did you say it was not Asa? Nay, I am neither Asa, nor Absalom, nor any of the Hebrew princes, but Obed, the root and stock of them all. Have I not said, woman, that you keep one in attendance who is entitled to a peaceable as well as an honorable mission? Do you take me for an animal of the class amphibia, and that I can play with my lungs as a blacksmith does with his bellows? The naturalist might have expanded his breath much longer, without producing any desirable result, had Esther been his only auditor. Disappointed and alarmed, the woman had already sought her pallet, and was preparing, with a sort of desperate indifference, to compose herself to sleep. Abner, the sentinel below, however, had been aroused from an exceedingly equivocal situation by the outcry, and as he had now regained sufficient consciousness to recognize the voice of the physician, the latter was admitted with the least possible delay. Dr. Battius bustled through the narrow entrance with an air of singular impatience, and was already beginning to mount the difficult ascent, when catching a view of the porter, he paused, to observe with an air that he intended should be impressively admonitory. Abner, there are dangerous symptoms of solemnity about thee. It is sufficiently exhibited in a tendency to hiation, and may prove dangerous not only to yourself but to all thy father's family. "'You never made a greater mistake, doctor,' returned the youth, gaping like an indolent lion. "'I haven't a symptom, as you call it, about any part of me, and as to father and the children, I reckon the smallpox and the measles have been thoroughly through the breed these many months ago.' Content with his brief admonition, the naturalist had surmounted half the difficulties of the ascent before the deliberate Abner ended his justification. On the summit, Obed fully expected to encounter Esther, of whose linguacious powers he had too often been furnished with the most sinister reproofs, and of which he stood in awe too solitary to covet a repetition of the attacks. The reader can foresee that he was to be agreeably disappointed, treading lightly and looking timidly over his shoulder, as if he apprehended a shower of something even more formidable than words. The doctor proceeded to the place which had been allocated to himself in the general disposition of the dormitories. Instead of sleeping, the worthy naturalist sat ruminating over what he had seen and heard that day, until the tossing and mutterings which proceeded from the cabin of Esther, who was his nearest neighbor, 
advertise him of the wakeful situation of his inmate. Perceiving the necessity of doing something to disarm this female Cerberus, before his own purpose could be accomplished, the doctor, reluctant as he was to encounter her tongue, found himself compelled to invite a colloquial communication. "'You appear not to sleep, my very kind and worthy Mrs. Bush,' he said, determined to commence his applications with a plaster that was usually found to adhere. "'You appear to rest badly, my excellent hostess. Can I administer to your ailings?' "'What would you give me, man?' grumbled Esther. "'A blister to make me sleep? Say rather a cataplasm. But if you are in pain, here are some cordial drops, which, taken in a glass of my own cognac, will give you rest, if I know aught of the materia medica.' The doctor, as he very well knew, had assailed Esther on her weak side, and as he doubted not of the acceptable quality of his prescription, he sat himself at work, without unnecessary delay to prepare it. When he made his offering, it was received in a snappish and threatening manner, but swallowed with a facility that sufficiently proclaimed how much it was relished. The woman muttered her thanks, and her leech reseated himself in silence to await the operation of the dose. In less than half an hour the breathing of Esther became so profound, and as the doctor himself might have termed it, so very abstracted, that had he not known how easy it was to ascribe this new instance of somnolency to the powerful dose of opium with which he had garnished the brandy, he might have seen reason to distrust his own prescription. With the sleep of the restless woman, the stillness became profound and general. Then Dr. Battius saw fit to arise with the silence and caution of the midnight robber, and to steal out of his own cabin, or rather kennel, for it deserved no better name, towards the adjoining dormitories. Here he took time to assure himself that all his neighbors were buried in deep sleep. Once advised of this important fact, he hesitated no longer, but commenced the difficult ascent which led to the upper pinnacle of the rock. His advance, though abundantly guarded, was not entirely noiseless, but while he was felicitating himself on having successfully effected his object, and he was in the very act of placing his foot on the highest ledge, a hand was laid upon the skirts of his coat, which as effectually put an end to his advance, as if the gigantic strength of Ishmael himself had pinned him to the earth. "'Is there sickness in a tent?' whispered a soft voice in his very ear. "'That Dr. Battius has called to visit at such an hour?' So soon as the heart of the naturalist had returned from its hasty expedition into his throat, as one less skilled than Dr. Battius in the formation of the animal would have been apt to have accounted for the extraordinary sensation with which he received this unlooked-for interruption, he found resolution to reply, using as much in terror as in prudence the same precaution in the indulgence of his voice. My worthy Nelly, I am greatly rejoiced to find it is no other than thee. Shush, child, shush! Should Ismail gain the knowledge of our plans, he would not hesitate to cast us both from this rock upon the plain beneath. Shush, Nelly, shush. As the doctor delivered his injunctions between the intervals of his ascent, by the time they were concluded, both he and his auditor gained the upper level. And now, Dr. Battius, the girl gravely demanded, may I know the reason why you have run so great a risk of flying from this place, without wings, and at the certain expense of your neck? Nothing shall be concealed from thee, worthy and trusty Nelly, but you are certain that Ishmael will not awake? No fear of him. He will sleep until the sun scorches his eyelids. The danger is from my aunt. Esther sleepeth, the doctor sententiously replied. Ellen, you have been watching on this rock to-day? I was ordered to do so. And you have seen the bison, and the antelope, and the wolf, and the deer, as usual? 
animals of the orders Pecora, Bellulae, and Ferrae. I have seen the creatures you named in English, but I know nothing of the Indian languages. There is still an order that I have not named, which you have also seen. The primates, is it not true? I cannot say. I know no animal by that name. Nay, Ellen, you confer with a friend, of the genus Homo child. Whatever else I may have had in view, I have not seen the Vespertilio Aribi. Hush, Nelly, thy vivacity will betray us. Tell me, girl, have you not seen certain bipeds called men, wandering about the prairies? Surely my uncle and his sons have been hunting the buffalo since the sun began to fall. I must speak in the vernacular to be comprehended. Ellen, I would say of this species, Kentucky. Though Ellen reddened like the rose, her blushes were concealed by the darkness. She hesitated an instant, and then summoned sufficient spirit to say decidedly, If you wish to speak in parables, Dr. Battius, you must find another listener. Put your questions plainly in English, and I will answer them honestly in the same tongue. I have been journeying in this desert, as thou knowest, Nellie, in quest of animals that have been hidden from the eyes of science until now. Among others, I have discovered a primates of the genus Homo, species Kentucky, which I term Paul. Shush! For the sake of mercy, said Owen, speak lower, doctor, or we shall be ruined. Hover, by profession a collector of the apes or bee, continued the other. Do I use the vernacular now? Am I understood? Perfectly, perfectly, returned the girl, breathing with difficulty in her surprise. But what of him? Did he tell you to mount this rock? He knows nothing himself, for the oath I gave my uncle has shut my mouth. Aye, but there is one that has taken no oath, who has revealed all. I would that the mantle which is wrapped around the mysteries of nature were as effectually withdrawn from its hidden treasures. Ellen, Ellen, the man with whom I have unwittingly formed a compactum or agreement is sadly forgetful of the obligations of honesty. Thy uncle, child. You mean Ishmael Bush, my father's brother's widow's husband? returned the offended girl a little proudly. Indeed, indeed, it is cruel to reproach me with a tie that chance has formed and which I would rejoice so much to break forever. The humbled Ellen could utter no more, but sinking on a projection of the rock, she began to sob in a manner that rendered their situation doubly critical. The doctor muttered a few words which he intended as an apologetic explanation, but before he had time to complete his labored vindication, she rose and said with decision, I did not come here to pass my time in foolish tears, nor you to try to stop them. What then has brought you hither? I must see the inmate of that tent. You know what it contains? I am taught to believe I do, and I bear a letter which I must deliver with my own hands. If the animal prove a quadruped, Ishmael is a true man. If a biped, fledged or unfledged, I care not, he is false, and our compactum at an end. Ellen made a sign for the doctor to remain where he was, and to be silent. She then glided into the tent, where she continued many minutes, that proved exceedingly weary and anxious to the expectant without, but the instant she returned, she took him by the arm, and together they entered beneath the folds of the mysterious cloth. End of chapter 11